0: Hey everyone I'm Chris Hall and you're listening to the Downtime Podcast where we delve deep into the gravity-based side of mountain biking. This week's episode is supported by Crank Brothers and Proof. Crank Brothers haven't held back with their brand new range of shoes. You've got three different lace options across a flat pedal, a DH clip pedal and an enduro clip pedal to choose from. They've spent a couple of years in development on the feet of riders like Lucas Shaw and Fabio Widmer to get these things dialed in and I have to say I think they've got it right. The quality of all the shoes is top notch and there are some really nice design features like little rubberized dots on the inside of the heel to help hold your heel in place. I've been using the boa version of the flat and the enduro clip pedal shoes and that lace option is incredible. It's so much easier than feeding a lace through to get the tension right across the shoe and because you can undo it in an instant it makes getting in and out of the shoes easier than any shoe I've ever used before. They're mega comfy and they come up true to size, which for some reason seems to be pretty unusual. The flat pedal sole offers great grip, whilst also allowing you to make micro adjustments to your foot position. But it's the clip shoe that's really blown me away. You might remember I was experimenting with clip pedals late last year, but I hadn't got comfortable clipping in and out. With the Crank Brothers shoes, it is so much easier to clip in and out of the pedal, and that's made me feel way more confident on clips. I'm looking forward to spending way more time on them this year. They haven't just designed them to work well with Crankbrothers pedals though, they've done loads of testing with a wide range of the pedals that are available. So whatever pedals you run in, Crankbrothers shoes are well worth a look. If you're in the market for some new shoes, then you can check them out at crankbrothers.com or at your local Crankbrothers stockist. Nukeproof Proof are clearly confident in their Horizon V2 wheels, as this season they're going to be raced around the Enduro World Series by Sam Hill, Elliot Heap and Keelan Grant, and I'm going to be giving you a chance to win your own set in just a minute. The engineers at Nukeproof have really put some thought into these wheels to make them strong and durable, easy to work on and to ride really well too. They've done that by using a magnesium-silicon-enriched alloy blend to create the right balance of stiffness and ductility. They run ABEC high-performance bearings with full-contact labyrinth seals to keep the crap out, and they've sleeved the rims instead of welding them for consistent strength in the rim. If you do manage to break a spoke, then they're readily available J-Bend ones so you won't get caught out. Newproof sent me a pair to try and my first impressions are great. They've got 102 points of engagement, which is fast. And that free hub makes a pleasant noise without being offensively loud. The design is subtle and it's going to look great on any bike. And the best thing is they come already taped and with tubeless valves fitted. So just pop on your tyre, chuck in some sealant and away you go. A regular track pump did the job for me. They're 30mm internal rim width, so they should give any modern gravity focused tyre a really good profile. They're downhill approved too, so they're going to be tough they're sold separately so you've got your choice of axle boost -boost, non-boost freehub etc and you can get a mixed wheel size pair too they're all available from your local nukeproof dealer to be in with a chance of winning your own pair of horizon wheels worth 400 pounds all you need to do is to head to downtimepodcast.com forward slash nukeproof that'll take you to a nukeproof landing page where you can enter by joining their newsletter no spam just an email once a week keeping you up to date with what they're up to it's worth it for the sam hill videos alone you've got until the 1st of april to enter All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode on DowntimePodcast.com. If you're on my mailing list, then apologies that I've not been in touch for a while. It's all been pretty hectic here, so I'm saving up some of the interesting things I come across and I'll send you all an email soon. If you want to join the list, then you can do that by filling out a really simple form over at DowntimePodcast.com forward slash subscribe. You need to verify your email, so don't forget to check your junk folder for the verification link. For the committed downtime fans amongst you, there's some lovely organic t-shirts, sweatshirts and hoodies available to show your support over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. They're lovely quality, they're available worldwide and they ship without any single use plastics too. All the proceeds go to help improve the podcast. So big thank you to everyone who's bought something so far. Make sure you give me a follow over on Instagram and Facebook where I'm at Downtime Podcast. It's a really good place for us to, to chat, to share our thoughts about stuff, and I always enjoy hearing what you have to say. So join me and the rest of the lovely Downtime listeners in the comments over there. All right, today we're catching up with Aaron Gwynn. I think it's fair to say that Aaron has had a pretty rough couple of seasons. A steady stream of injuries and misfortune have kept him away from where he'd like to be, at the very top of the sport. We chat about how he deals with that, how he feels about people saying he's no longer got what it takes, and how his approach to racing has changed over time. Can Aaron still beat Greg Minar's all-time wins record? And when will he retire from downhill? Give this episode a listen to find out the answers from the man himself. All right, without further ado, here's Aaron Gwynn. <laughs> Karen Gwynn, welcome back to the Downtime Podcast. How's things with you, man? Good, man. Thanks for having me. Oh, it's a pleasure as always. And it's it's been a while, actually. I was looking into the back catalogue and it was February 2018, last time we sat down for a chat. And a lot's gone on between now and then, which we'll we'll cover. But first off, I think congratulations are in order. You got married last summer, right?
1: Yeah, thank you, man. Yeah, we got married uh, in July, kind of in the middle of the month, once we kind of had the The quarantine lockdown and we knew that the races were going to be delayed a little bit we kind of took advantage of the downtime and uh got married a little bit earlier and then had a little bit of time to kind of hang out before the races started again so it was kind of ideal for us
0: yeah very nice and you got married up at the house right
1: yeah we got married actually in my backyard (laughs) in our backyard so it was cool we had some real close friends over and um you know we're able to we didn't really want like a big wedding and a bunch of stuff anyways and you know the view from our house and kind of the vibe here has always been kind of special to us so it was it was sort of the perfect place for us to we just decided to get married here so it worked out really good since everything else was close
0: nice and that's the place that you were building when
1: rob warner came to visit you is it yep how long you been in there now uh we've been in here about i've been in here about a year i think a little more october i think last uh well, 2019 is when we moved in, or I moved in, and then Lauren moved in um, after we got married. So yeah, she's been in here, whatever that's been, I don't know, <laughs> six or seven months, and I've been here a little over a year. So it's, uh, it's a trip. I feel like I've been in kind of longer because I was up here so much through the build process and spent so much time up here kind of through all that stuff that was going on. But um, yeah, it definitely feels like home now, so it's pretty sweet. Yeah. It must be nice
0: finally getting into it. Is it, is it good living in a house that you've designed for yourself? Have you done anything to make it work better for bikes and for training and that sort of stuff?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think, um, the two main things I did, I guess for riding and training is I have like a pretty big gym in my house now. So I have like all the equipment I really need to work out. I still will go into a public gym occasionally just to mix it up, but, um, I've got enough room to kind of, have my squat rack and have some of my exercise machines and other things like that so that's been really good especially this year since uh, the gyms have been closed a lot i've yeah. been able to just kind of train here at home and then i i put a pretty big garage on the house so <laughs> i've got enough room for all the bikes and stuff but no matter how big you make it man you you always are you know questioning if you should have made it a little bigger <laughs> that's for sure there's always room for one more right Yep.
0: <laughs> awesome. Let's chat a little bit about the riding and racing side of things. Last time we spoke, you're heading into the 2018 season, which started off super well for you. You're leading the series. And then you picked up a, a thumb injury in Val de Sol, I think it was, which forced you to miss a couple of rounds that year for the first time since you had that shoulder injury back in 2013, I think. How, how did it feel? Because at that point you were on a roll, you'd taken the overall for three seasons straight and looking good to make it fourth in a row like was that was that a hard blow to deal with
1: for sure yeah it was difficult the thumb injury actually started at Fort William um and yeah man it was a bummer I mean everything was clicking really good that year my training was going good everything we had kind of dialed the bike in I think we were actually on a a newer bike that year um and everything was going good I won the opening round at Croatia and and I felt kind of so so at Croatia. I, I was just sort of starting like the nice build into my sort of training and stuff. So I was really looking forward to like getting stronger through the season. Um, but I was able to get the win there and then we went to Fort William and I was feeling even better. I think I I flatted it in qualifying and still qualified pretty good there. But I think I was up on the fast time and qualifying until the flat. And then in the finals, I think I was up on the fast time until I don't know, maybe a minute from the finish i had a pretty big over the bars in this kind of tight turn and um yeah it kind of really came out of nowhere it was a new section that they had put a bunch of sort of man-made rocks in and it was in the shadow so it was hard to see and it was one of the easier turns on the track like kind of slower speed and i just leaned into it and one of the rocks that they had buried in the ground had come loose so it was just sort of rolling around in the hole And uh, I couldn't see it because it was a bit dark in there. And as soon as I hit it with my front wheel, I just kind of slid out and I went over the bars and um, I must have landed like, you know, right on my thumb. So that thing, it kind of dislocated for a second. And uh, I didn't really notice it until I stood back up and it kind of popped back in and I just noticed it started hurting really bad, like straight away. So um, I made it down to the finish line. And then as soon as I crossed the finish line, that thing just kind of blew up and got really stiff. So um, yeah, man, it was a bummer. It was a weird crash. I didn't really feel like I made a mistake. It's just one of those racing things. And, uh, that ended up pretty much being the end of that season. Cause, um, my thumb was pretty bad. I ended up getting on the podium, I think the next weekend in Leo gang, which was kind of a, a miracle because <laughs> I, I couldn't even do practice. I was rolling around the track and I think I did like five or six runs and it was like, it didn't look good, but I was going to try to stay in the championship and thankfully that tracks pretty smooth. So we just taped the thumb up really tight and, uh, got through that race. But then when I got home, it just, man, anybody that's done any kind of ligament stuff knows that there's not really any fast healing process to go about it. So, um, I pretty much didn't ride until Valdasol and really was just trying to take it easy on that thing and let it heal, which was a really slow process. And then at Valdasol, I had a little tip over in practice and landed back on it. And that was pretty much the end of that. So, um, yeah, man, it was definitely frustrating because I feel like that year would have been really good, but that's the way it goes, man. You can hit the ground for, for years and years and never have an injury. And then all of a sudden you kind of get these little nagging ones that won't go away. So, um yeah it was a, a tough season for sure
0: yeah you made it back there didn't you I think for Le Brest towards the end of the season and that was that your first world cup on a 29er I think how, how did you get on with that change in yeah. wheel size?
1: um it was pretty good there's definitely some challenges um I'd only been on that bike a couple of weeks and I really hadn't been riding that much because of my thumb coming into that race but I felt pretty good um the bike felt good. It was definitely a bit of an adjustment with the 29er. I was kind of excited for it because I felt like it, it suited my style pretty good. Um we looking back now, we definitely had some challenges with bike sizing and stuff that I would have changed if I if I had a little more time. But um yeah, it felt pretty good. I think I I time practice went pretty well and you know I kind of had the speed that was coming up there and then it ended up being one of those races that was just like a real muddy um, you know, like a heavy rain on race day and stuff. And I ended up crashing a couple corners in. I just slid out on a route. And uh that was the end of that. So <laughs>
0: <laughs> you still broke the internet that weekend, though, I think, with that like scrub nose bonk off the side yeah. of one of the big tables. It looked <laughs> uh, like you were yeah. having fun.
1: Yeah, that was, I think, a, right after where I had crashed, I got back on the bike. So I kind of knew my race run was over, but I had that line in my pocket. So I figured I'd. I'd still give it a go for the for the fans.
0: <laughs> so is that like a a like a proven kind of motocross technique? Is that where that comes from?
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, growing up racing moto, and especially once you get onto the bigger bikes, a lot of the tracks here in SoCal, or maybe anywhere, but especially here, the jumps are built a little bit smaller in spots. So to not overshoot them, you end up kind of having these lines that sort of go off the corner of the lip um so that you can stay low and kind of ultimately like carry more speed or set up for the turn better or whatever so you got to be careful with them because they can get a bit uh (laughs) they can get a bit squirrely if you drag a foot peg on the side of the lip or i've had i think the biggest crash in my whole life was on a dirt bike hitting one of those lines and i hit a braking bump up the face and like blew my hand off the bar and ended up just ejecting off the bike in the middle of the air and like (laughs) just ragdolled it so you got to be a little careful with them but when they work they work good
0: (laughs) yeah it looked pretty pretty impressive and I mean you rounded out that season with a a fifth at Worlds in Lenzer Hyde which is I mean it's it's a super solid result probably not quite what you'd want but then you're off into the the off season and, and a lot of big changes took place tell us a little bit about how the move to Intense came about
1: yeah, the move to Intense was a bit of a um, surprise. I mean, I've always been buddies with Jeff uh, Stieber, who owns Intense, and he lives uh, about 10 minutes from where I live now. And I've kind of always been a fan of his, and he's always been a fan of mine. And so I've always talked to him over the years, and I see him at the races, and we'd always say hi. And we've always kind of joked that it would be cool someday if I could ride for Intense, because they're you know, right here in my backyard. And they're kind of a OG American brand and they kind of got a lot of things that sort of line up with what I and you know, I'm kind of all about. So, um, yeah, we just kind of stayed in touch over the years and we had actually been chatting a little bit earlier in the season. Um, it seems like every time my contracts over, you know, throughout the years I end up either calling Jeff or we just happen to like see each other somewhere and we, we chat and he's always wanted to try to get me on the program. It was either like, the timing on his part or my part wasn't right. And uh, so, yeah, basically the opportunity um, was kind of there earlier in the season and we were kind of chatting. I was pretty happy with YT because we were, you know, obviously doing well and it was a team that I had kind of put together with Martin with all the co-sponsors and it kind of had given me the freedom to kind of, you know, design that, that program and uh, things were going good. So I wasn't really necessarily looking for a change. Um, But if there was anywhere that would have been cool to go intense would have definitely been it. So Jeff and I were kind of chatting and um, you know, they had some things that they were waiting to kind of finalize business wise to kind of be in a position to really make me a strong offer. And so it didn't really look like the timing was going to work out and things were kind of moving forward good uh, with YT. So um, yeah, we kind of, that was the plan. You know, I'd talked to them and they kind of had assured me that, you know, they were ready to go and, keep things moving forward so we had negotiated a little bit throughout the year but i was really kind of just focused on you know trying to get back from my thumb injury and get back to winning races and all that for world champs and um yeah so i guess like everybody knows we kind of got to world champs and i had a chat with them a couple days before the race and they basically told me like don't worry about the contract everything's great just focus on the race and we'll meet after the race and get everything done and then we met up after the race um I think the night right after the race and I was talking to Marcus, the owner, and um, he was like, hey man, we're we're not going to have a downhill program m- moving forward. So, you know, thanks for everything. And, uh, you know, that was it. So, yeah. it was definitely um, a surprise to me and not something I really saw coming. Um, and I think they had maybe some internal stuff over there and miscommunications with some of their employees or you know whatever that kind of made things a little bit worse but for me you know I'm just kind of cranking along you know I hadn't pursued other options because I felt pretty assured from their words that you know we were all good and to just focus on world champs and we figure it out after um so when they kind of you know that happened so suddenly it was yeah it was kind of crazy (laughs) yeah that's (laughs) late
0: on in the season as well right
1: for sure. That was the tricky part because it wasn't, you know, with the deals that I've done in the past and the, the size of the programs and everything, they uh, they take some time and some organization and some funding and all that kind of stuff. So i had sort of, you know, I'd, I'd banked on this thing working out like they said it would. And so when it didn't, it was, you know, end of the year. And I, I literally, I don't think I had one sponsor at that point that was locked in because that was kind of, you know, everything I had going was, was wrapped into that program. So it was whatever it was, uh, September. (laughs) And I basically like, didn't have a ride, didn't have a team program, nothing for the next year. So it was like, you know, it was, it was a kind of a rough couple of days, I guess you could say, you know, I, I felt, you know, confident that something would work out. But whenever that sort of happens, for one, it doesn't feel good, you know, kind of on a personal level to get dropped. And then two, you're like, man, I got, you know, I was building my house. And got a lot of stuff kind of going on that you're sort of planning funds and planning time around and all that stuff so when it all just goes away you know basically in a couple of minutes it's a little bit of a like you know just a bit of a check you got to kind of reassess everything and kind of figure out how to make the best way forward so I think I actually called Jeff maybe that night after that had happened or maybe the next day because we were in Europe for another day or something and I was like, Hey man, just to let you know, uh, things didn't work out with YT and I'm still interested. I don't know where the finances are. Cause I hadn't talked to him for a month or two. And, um, and he was excited and he was like, well, he's like, I don't know. I got to talk to the guys, but he's like, we're in a better position, kind of seeing where we're going moving forward than we were a few months ago. And so let's talk when you get back and, you know, figure it out. So That was exciting. Um, but it it was just a lot of work because it wasn't just YT, you know, as a frame sponsor, I basically had designed the whole program there with Martin to run the team. And when I'd come onto the program, uh, Martin kind of gave me a lot of flexibility to kind of just do whatever I wanted. So, um, I brought YT to the team with him and then basically probably 80% of our sponsors that year were all deals that i had negotiated and brought to the team with martin Uh and he was running you know running the team for me so it was um you know he ended up sticking with yt so i basically lost like (laughs) the team infrastructure and the title sponsor all in kind of one blow so that was tough because if it would have just been a frame sponsor you know we had like a turnkey package ready to go with martin so it could have said okay we already have this team We got the vehicles, we got the pits, we got co-sponsors. We just need a new frame sponsor. Um, But when Martin stuck with them, um, then it was kind of like, you know, I was like, okay, I'm going to have to basically (laughs) start over from the (laughs) ground up and figure it out. So, um, yeah, I mean, it worked out for the best, and you know, I think those guys are, you know, it's business at the end of the day to a lot of people, and um, to some extent to me. So I I can't say, you know, I agree with the decisions or how they do it, but at the same time it's their companies and, you know, they totally have the right to do what they want to do. Um, so I don't, you know, I'm not really like mad about it or anything. I think, like I said, I probably would have handled it a little differently, but I'm not them. So it's, uh, you know, I wish them all the best in the future and, um, yeah, it is what it is. It worked out good for me. So so yeah, I
0: was going to say, you put together a pretty sweet team. How do you feel about being team manager though as well as the team right like number one team rider
1: (laughs) it's uh it's a little bit of extra work but honestly um Todd our team manager now that I hired he's basically running everything uh for me with Kathy and um they do a great job and they they really do a good job of kind of taking a lot of the responsibility off of me so I'm still involved with the sponsorships uh, mostly I do all the negotiations on our, our contracts and kind of figure out that kind of stuff. Um, but as far as like the logistics and all the team stuff and ordering parts and, you know, kind of the daily grind of, of running and managing a team, uh, managing the vehicles and, you know, who's flying where and all that kind of stuff. Uh, Todd and Kathy do a great job with that. So, yeah, I'd say it's a little more work for me. Uh, especially at the beginning when we first started because we were starting from the ground up. So we had to buy vehicles and and tents and, you know, we had a lot of things to kind of figure out, hire mechanics and all that kind of stuff. But now that we're rolling, um, yeah, it feels, you know, very similar to like it used to. Todd really does a great job. So um, I can just focus on my riding and, you know, just kind of keep doing that.
0: Good stuff. Did you find it hard that first winter then to get everything you sort of needed to get in place with the team done and put in all the focus that you need in your own preparation as well. Cause like you say, it was quite late trying to pull everything together.
1: For sure. Yeah. It was a bit of a, I wouldn't say a rush, but you definitely didn't have any time to waste. Um, You know, thankfully everything with intense kind of came through in a couple of months. Um, And we were pretty confident, you know, within maybe a couple of weeks or a month of, of worlds that that was going to work out. We were just kind of ironing out details and stuff like that. So um, you know, Todd had been running the Norco factory team, so he already had experience with that and he was available, so it was kind of really good timing. I mean, he's been training me on the physical program side of things for oh man, I don't know, since 2013, I think. Um, and we've always kind of been in the same spot where we're like, man, it would be great to work together with a team someday, but I've always kind of had my own thing and he's had his own thing, so um having his help and kind of having that infrastructure and know-how there definitely helped me a lot because I did wasn't like I kind of had everything that I was good at which was bringing sponsors and negotiating contracts and kind of figuring out that kind of stuff and then Todd had all the logistical experience and and with Kathy and kind of all that side of things so really things came together uh pretty smooth and uh, pretty much I think all the sponsors just about that I was on Um, YT that I brought to that team um, they all stuck with me and they wanted to come with me to Intense so that was that was awesome I was basically able to you know kind of rebuild that program and I had a lot of those pieces sort of uh, in place already when we started so yeah it worked out pretty good it was a lot of work for sure to kind of get it going um, and you know whatever it was four months or so but um, yeah I had a lot of good help so it wasn't too bad Good
0: stuff. Am I right in saying you were still a bit undecided between large and extra large frames coming into 2019 season?
1: Yeah, <laughs> for sure. I think uh, it was funny because we just raced a little local race here the other day, and um, we do that race every year, usually February or March. And we were kind of laughing because I was like, "This year I showed up with my with my bike and." I didn't touch a clicker or mess with tire pressure or anything the entire time we were there. And I was kind of laughing with John. I was like, dude, you remember (laughs) a couple years ago when we were here? And like, that was really it was the sizing was the biggest challenge on that bike because they have a pretty big gap on the M29 between the large and the extra large. And I've always ridden a size that's like right in between the two um so we had a reach adjust headset and different things we were either trying to make the large longer or the extra large shorter and there was kind of pros and cons to each bike Um, especially being a full 29 inch bike i i like the xl because it was really stable and it it fit me good uh, with the shorter reach headset on there but the wheelbase and the bigger wheels and everything it was still just a really big bike so trying to like you know, it was comfortable to ride and it was fast when it got really rough, but when you needed to really work it through the tight sections and stuff, it was just a bit big. The wheelbase was a bit big. Um, and I was a little too stretched out. And then on the large it was basically the opposite. You know, it was uh pretty quick in the tight stuff, but when you got on the really fast stuff, um, I was just a bit cramped in the cockpit. So it was, uh, it wasn't horrible, but it was just it was difficult because some, you know, one size had (laughs) certain things it was better at. And the other size had certain things it was better at. So we did a lot of back and forth trying to sort of figure out what the best option was. And, um, that was really the story of the season. I raced maybe half the races on a large and half the races on an extra large. I, you know, I kind of couldn't decide all the way down to the end because it was, I needed something right in between. So, um, yeah, it was a good testing kind of, experience on that same thing with the 29er and just that design of bike and everything we got a lot of really good feedback from that first year so i felt like our bike uh, last year and now is uh, really dialed in so it's all good
0: yeah do you think it's hard to truly prepare for a world cup race uh, anything other than a world cup race
1: yeah um it, it's hard to match it exactly but i think if you you know, you have the right courses or for me, I kind of know just from so many years of riding and racing and all that kind of stuff. I kind of know like what the difference is between a bike on my local tracks that I ride all the time and then at a world cup track. So I think that experience helps me a little bit more. I remember in 2013 when I signed with specialized, um, I didn't maybe have that much experience. And I was riding the Specialized at my local tracks and the bike felt really fast and everything felt great. And then I went to the World Cups and I was like pretty terrible. It was, you know, I was on a bike that was too small and I had more of a fun setup. And on the local tracks, you know, I felt fast because I was riding the bike really hard, but to what I needed at a World Cup, the setup was a little bit different. So I was kind of, and I think the first World Cup that year was Fort Williams. So it was like the gnarliest, fastest track that you could jump into. Um, (laughs) so it used to be more challenging, but now that I've kind of done it for so long, I I usually have a pretty good idea of kind of, you know, what changes you're going to need to make to go to a world cup. So, but unfortunately with the M29, the biggest thing for me, Um, the bike worked really well it was just the sizing and that was something that we kind of you know we weren't able to just change in a few months we needed a little bit of time and and I really wanted to get the bike through an entire season before I had them start spending money and really going into making a prototype because I kind of wanted to iron that thing out completely Um, so we weren't guessing and you know redoing stuff for the next couple of years so it was a you had to be patient the first year but I think uh, now you know it's worked out good in the long run.
0: Got ya, Yeah. And that 2019 season started in Maribor with the sixth place, which would be uh, a dream for a lot of people, but I'm guessing probably not quite what you were looking for. And you, you flew back from there to do some testing, I think at mountain Creek pro GRT, and that's where you hurt your ankle, right?
1: Yeah. Yep. That was, um, yeah. Another one of those kind of just tough, weird situations. I think, um, I've been running those cranks. I think E13 is probably comfortable with me saying this, but um, I've been running E13 carbon cranks since I signed the contract with them back the first year on YT, so I don't know what that is, five, five, six years. Uh Um, And I had only ever broken one ever in six years, and it was because I I basically like 50-50 to rock with my pedal. And uh, it was basically like, you know, I mean, carbon at some point, if you hit it just right, you know, it can break. Yeah. And so those things have been bulletproof. You know, I had broke SRAM cranks in the past when I was on specialized in similar situations and, you know, they'd just always been good. And, um, there was this drop at mountain Creek at that national that we went out to. And it was, it was one of those drops. It just wasn't built well for the speed. You know, it was cool if you're just kind of cruising, but when you hit it at race pace, you were basically landing flat off that thing. It was a pretty far drop. And, um, and they had built the landing so like kind of fresh, so it was soft and had some holes. So just the combination of me landing super flat and I landed right in a big hole. So when I landed, it kind of like stopped all the forward momentum. Um, and I ended up just snapping the, the, the uh, pedal off the side of the crank and just folded my foot under the bike. So it was uh, a, <laughs> and it was in a qualifying run. So it wasn't, it was just one of those surprise things, man, where it was like, yeah, I mean, my ankle blew up straight away it was like the size of a softball and uh I couldn't walk I got on a plane went home the next day and um I think Fort William was a couple weeks after that so it was yeah it was just a bummer because we had some good momentum going again um you know the sixth in Maribor was a decent start I was only I think like 1.6 off the win the times were really tight and yeah it felt good so yeah the ankle thing was definitely a bummer but we talked to E13 and Um, we, we had basically been riding multiple different bikes that year because I was riding different sizes and we had some different setups on stuff. And, um, we had put a set of cranks on that bike that were a few years old and they were out of like a, a batch that ended up sort of, I don't know if they were a recall batch, but they basically just kind of had, had some issues, I guess. And so, you know, we were like, um, you know, it just one of those situations, John basically had those cranks and we'd been riding them for months and didn't really think about it. But when we checked the serial number, we were like, Oh man, those were probably not supposed to be on there. So it was just, I mean, when you go through so many parts and bikes year after year, after year, you know, sometimes you miss things or sometimes you just, you do something just right. Like landing that drop in a big hole and it's like sometimes stuff breaks. So it was a bummer. It was just bad timing really.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you, you fly, I guess then over to Scotland with a, a pretty sore ankle and to compound things one of your race bikes got stolen out of one of the team vehicles didn't it in edinburgh i think that just before the race
1: yeah yeah so we flew over there um we got there a couple of days early and i think um one of the mechanics sam he had drove because he lives over there pretty close by And he had been staying in Edinburgh to like um, get a few things wrapped up with the team van or something. And he was at a hotel and somebody broke into the van and smashed all the windows out and stole my race bike out of it. Um, So I mean, that was a bummer for sure. But we weren't running like a ton of prototype stuff, thankfully. So, um, you know, a lot of people kind of came together to basically just build up an identical bike for me, we had enough spare parts. And then I think we borrowed a frame from uh, maybe one of the intense teams over there or maybe we had a spare i can't remember um but anyways we ended up being able to build up another bike in a couple of days thankfully and um that thing was pretty much exactly like that other bike so um yeah it was just a bit of a scramble <laughs> but <laughs> thankfully we were able to get another one going
0: yeah but then th- was it three runs into practice and you hurt that same ankle again yeah
1: yeah i basically had a, a similar issue um it was real muddy and there's a big drop, same kind of thing. And I basically just folded my ankle back under the bike again. And, and that was like, Oh man, that I think that's maybe one of the only times I've sort of lost my cool at a race. I think I like rolled into the finish line and like ghost rode my bike into the fence. Cause it <laughs> <I> was just, <laughs> and I regret doing it. There wasn't really anybody standing there cause it was a super rainy day of practice, but I was just so mad and my, you know, ankle hurt so much. It was like, I had the thing taped up about as tight as you could get it. I could barely kind of ride as it was. And then, uh, to kind of do the same thing, it was just like, it was just frustrating, you know, it, we were not on a good streak that week. So, um, yeah, just tried to regroup. Um, it kind of made my ankle worse from there. Um, but yeah, I mean, we were, I uh, was just, just trying to make the most out of it, so we kept taping it up and I kept riding and uh we got into finals and then we had that big crash in finals so it, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was just yeah, a well, rough week
0: I wanted to to talk a bit about like how do you approach riding with injuries like that so you've you know it's a pretty badly damaged ankle, but you're there, you managed to qualify twenty first How do you make the decision whether you should be trying to race or not, and how do you kind of manage? Not only the pain, I guess, but your own expectations.
1: Yeah, it's it's tricky for sure. I think, I think it's always better to be smart um, because sometimes if you really hurt yourself, you're going to do more damage than a race result is worth. Um, I've had a hard time the last couple of years, honestly, trying to find that balance because I've been riding through some injuries that I probably shouldn't have been riding through, but they kind of happened early in the season when I was sort of in a points chase. And and I really just didn't want to let go of those points that early in the year. And I've ridden through some injuries in the past. And I've always had a pretty good ability to kind of push through pain and stuff. So no matter how bad I'm feeling, like at Leo Gang the year before, like I literally couldn't hardly make it down the track and practice and you know, like we just, you try to take care of things as much as you can to the race run. And then we get in the race run and you just grit through one big run and, you know, you get on the podium and it's worth it. So it's like, I, I always have that kind of stuff in the back of my mind when I think about, you know, not racing. Um, and there's definitely a few times, I think the last few years where I probably should have just, you know, called it quits for the weekend and not made things worse. But it's tough stuff as a racer, you know, I'm competitive and if I feel like I've got any shot at a good result, I want to be racing. So, um, yeah, Fort William was basically the same deal. You know, I was having a hard time walking, but when you're on the bike, um, you know, I don't know, you're clipped into the pedal and sometimes things feel a little bit better almost riding than they do walking. And so I was just going to kind of give it the best. I made it through qualifying with a decent result. And I, you know, I hoped with a good run, I could at least get up in the top 10. I definitely wasn't riding a hundred percent, but, um, you know, I thought it would be, you know, good enough. And and I actually felt pretty good come race day. And, um, I had some PT guys that were really helping me out and that made a big difference. So I felt okay in the start gate. And then, uh, yeah, things just went bad.
0: (laughs) Well, yeah, that, that was a a horrible crash. I was stood in the finish and uh, it's one of those ones where you're really glad to see the rider get up do you know kind of what happened because it it was at the end of a little sort of boardwalk section but it literally looked like someone had just sort of blown your bike out from underneath you
1: (laughs) yeah we always joke we're like we got to get one of those uh make it into one of those chuck norris memes when he's sniping (laughs) people and uh that's what it felt like man i didn't really i didn't feel like i made a mistake or knew what was coming i think what happened is it was raining a little bit and that bridge is was a little bit wet um i think they've got some I don't know if it's chicken wire grip tape or something on the center of that bridge but when you're setting up for the turn you're basically riding right on the edge of the bridge and I think you might be a little bit off of that sticky stuff Um, and from what I can tell just watching the video and kind of knowing this section I think I just got on the brakes pretty hard and the back end sort of slid out a little bit coming off the off the bridge like just a little bit but there's a really big rock like a couple inches to the right so when the bike the back end slid out it hooked that rock like as soon as it broke loose and then it just kind of sent me flying so it was uh it happened so quick I honestly I my eyes were already halfway through the turn and looking towards the next turn I was (laughs) not concerned about what was happening until I was flying through the air so it caught me by (laughs) surprise for sure you managed to roll out of it pretty well though yeah it worked out good thankfully there's a lot of grass on the backside of that berm and uh the way i kind of like just tuck and rolled, i guess i didn't hit any rocks or anything so um yeah it's a good example you know you can have a little tip over and totally blow your thumb out for a whole season or you can have this massive you know triple front flip crash and you get up and everything feels fine so it was uh yeah thankfully it was all good Yeah. But the end of that
0: weekend, and I mean, it's, it's at this point, it's been a pretty rough start to any season. It's not how anyone would want to want to go about it. How, how are you kind of feeling? How are you managing to keep focused and motivated when it, it must start feeling like luck's not really on your side?
1: Yeah, I mean, for sure. I think, I don't know, I've always just been of the mindset that, um, you know, the better you can do, and the the more you can prepare and and keep focused, you know, you kind of create a little bit more of your own luck. And um, yeah, I mean, it's it's not always been easy for me. I think with with mountain biking, I've had a lot of success, but there was you know, fifteen years of bicycle and motocross racing before that that were not that easy. Um, I wouldn't say this was easy at all. I should say they just weren't as successful, and they were you know, those years were full of a lot more setbacks. Mm-hmm. um and the only way to kind of keep going is just to keep going you know i've had a plenty of years like that as a kid or you know in my teenage years where it was injury after injury and you know weird situations same thing or i didn't really feel like i was making big mental mistakes or riding errors it was just when you're going fast things happen sometimes and you have crashes and you know you never know and so i think you know i've been through a lot of adversity earlier in my life with my racing and um so you know you just keep going you keep making the best of it and um you know you hope things will will get better but you know if you can ride it's like you just got to keep going so i try to block it out uh which is you know easier said than done but at the end of the day yeah you just got to kind of keep plugging away and keep putting in the work and you know hope things turn around
0: yeah do you think your faith helps at all in those situations
1: yeah i think so for sure i think the biggest thing with that is is uh I don't get so wrapped up in my racing and results as competitive as I am. And anybody that really knows me knows how competitive I am and I hate not performing my best. Um, but when the race is over, you know, I'll, I'll only be motivated for the race. It doesn't, you know, a bad result or a bad season doesn't have me kind of questioning my whole life or my, you know, my purpose or what I'm doing or my security, as you know whether it's financial or whatever i know that you know i believe that, that life will work out and um you know sometimes there's just tough things that happen or whatever and at the end of the day it's still just bicycle racing and um you know it's it's not everything to me even though it's you know my passion and my dream and my job and and all that kind of stuff um you know there's more to life so you you know you focus on bike racing when it's time to focus and if it doesn't go well you i try to analyze it and figure out what i can learn and do to improve and then i you know i move on and keep enjoying life yeah
0: and it was a pretty impressive uh, effort i would say to come fifth in Gang a week later you know you you walked away from fort william pretty battered and bruised things not looking like they're going your way and then you, you managed to turn it around and put it back on the box the next week did that result feel good or were you still kind of not happy with it how did you feel about that
1: um yeah it was good it was good to be on the podium it was another tough weekend it felt a lot like the year before when i was racing with the thumb injury um you know my ankle kind of got worse from fort william to leo gang once i was off of it for a couple of days um you know the swelling was just really hard to get under control and it was just really stiff so um you know, it was just a constant, basically full time job every day at Leo Gang to like be doing the PT and all the different stuff I could do to that thing to try to get it loose enough to ride. And it was feeling pretty rough in practice, but um the more I rode, the more it kinda of loosened up. So by race day, um, you know, I was able to get down the track and get on the podium. So it, it's definitely tough racing when you know you're you're not at a hundred percent and you should be going faster than you are, but being on the podium any day is is a good day. So to be able to do that in those circumstances was definitely a little morale boost for me. <laughs>
0: definitely, yeah. It's an impressive result given what you've been through a week before. So yeah, fair play. But it, I mean, the season then kind of went a little bit against you again. You had a, a pretty nasty crash at Valnord a month or so later, I think, which left you with some shoulder issues and a need to miss some racing. But you, I think, took kind of advantage of that time out and is that when you started thinking about and working on the mixed wheel prototype
1: yeah we had been working on that bike um quite a ways before that you know basically coming out of the end of 2019 the year before and um or whatever that yeah i guess that was the year and so but it just takes a little bit of time you know we really wanted to kind of get things dialed in so we were anticipating not a whole new bike coming at that point in the year, but at least like, um, a few things I wanted to tweak on that bike. So changing the whole front triangle and basically changing the whole frame was going to take more time than really what we had. So we had some new linkage, um, stuff and we had a new rear end that basically could put me on that mixed wheel size. So it was sort of, I decided to go for it because I knew that the season for me was, you know, over as far as the points chase went. And I really wanted to try that mixed wheel size bike. And a few of the things that we were thinking about at world champs and world cup finals, um, before the season was over because i knew if i could get it out there even if we missed the mark on a few things that testing time for those two races would be really beneficial for the following season so we decided to go ahead with those um i was still running the same front triangle so we were still kind of dealing with the same sizing issues and and i basically i raced the large at um, world champs at Ann, and i raced the extra large in west virginia i was still going back and forth i think i actually went back to the XL on race day at west virginia so it was those two races, I wanted to do well, but I had been off the bike and had a lot of issues kind of coming into those. So they were really just, I was excited to be back racing, even though I was underprepared. And uh, I just wanted to be there hanging out with the team and racing. And we also just really wanted to get some time on some of the stuff we were trying to kind of set us up for the next year. So it ended up being really valuable in that way, um, as far as the testing process goes. But yeah, those those races were definitely difficult.
0: Yeah. Was the was the mixed wheel size thing a hit for you straight away? Did you, you instantly kind of know that that was something you wanted to pursue further?
1: Yeah, for sure. I think we were maybe a little bit skeptical at first just to try something new because I didn't feel like I had ever really gotten the sizing and everything 100% dialed on the 29er. And usually I try to get a bike as far as we can get it before I start making, you know, big changes like that. Mm -hmm. But I felt like with my riding style and the feedback we were hearing from other people and things I was seeing, um, you know, I really liked it. And Intense had that Taser e-bike that was, um, it's a staggered wheel size bike. And I really liked that bike. And, um, you know, it didn't feel weird in any of the ways that I thought it might. And it basically just felt better um, all around to me. So, and I'm not a super tall guy. I'm like five ten, five eleven. So I'm kind of right in the middle. Um, so just having that extra clearance in the rear end was something I was kind of looking forward to cause I was hitting my butt on the tire a bit with the 29er. Um, so yeah, we decided to give it a go. We basically only had to make like a new rear end and a few little linkage changes to fit that rear wheel on there to try it. And, uh, the first day I tried it, I really liked it. There was still, you know, the sizing issue and a few other things that we needed to work out. Um, but for me and my style and and how I like to move the bike around and kind of make quick pivots and, you know, it just felt like it was easier to get the bike to lean into corners and, and kind of do, you know, what I wanted it to do. So, um, yeah, man, I mean, I'm sold on it. All my bikes I'm riding right now are that set up and I don't think I'll go back because it's ideal for me. Mm -hmm. Do you think, do you think there's any compromises with it? Um, I don't know. I mean, you could say that in a straight line and really rough stuff that a 29er on paper at least is going to roll over stuff a little bit better. Um, But I don't really notice anything. I mean, if you're a tall guy, I think, I think there's, you know, more to consider there. Like somebody like Greg, I'm not sure that he would be better on a staggered wheel size bike. He has the height to kind of make a 29er work. I don't think he has the issues with the clearance and some of the things, you know, his bike's already really big. So a smaller wheel on the back might, might mess that setup up. I don't know. But for me, um, and my size and my riding, it's yeah, pretty much all positives for me. So I really like it.
0: Yeah. Cool. And when, you know, you get to the end of that season, end of 2019, it's, uh, had some ups and some downs, but you've got an off season to get yourself back and get your body back to a hundred percent and to do a bit more work on the bike. How did you, how did you approach both aspects of that?
1: Um, yeah, it was good. The off season coming into that was, was good. I felt like we were just in a good spot. You know, we went to, we finished that year with St. Ann and, and West Virginia. Um, I was inside the top 20, one of the races, I think I was only like a second off of a podium or something. So I was, you know, for not really riding at all. And then just jumping on that new bike and kind of going straight into the races with pretty much no testing or any time. Um, it was good just to finish the year racing and not on the couch. <laughs> so, um, that gave me some confidence. I felt like we figured out a real solid direction on the bike from those two races with exactly where I wanted to go for the following year. Um, and so we kind of were just able to hit the ground running, you know, we were able to get that prototype built up within a month or two of that last race. And, um, so yeah, it did a lot of good stuff going into that next year. And then that off season went really good. Uh, training was good. Uh, bike setup was really good we did a lot of testing and kind of got that thing dialed in coming into the season I had some really good pre-season races and uh, fitness was coming back and my thumb and my ankle you know that stuff didn't just go away even when I started riding it was getting better but it was still you know lingering and uh, last year you know last off season, that stuff was finally starting to basically go to where I just didn't notice it anymore so um yeah coming into 2020 everything was feeling like it was back on track and we were ready to fight for wins again
0: yeah and not the year that anyone expected as it turned out but looking back on it now how did you feel about it did you enjoy having some time away from racing and some time at home
1: for sure yeah it was a mixed year I think uh, I, th- I think a lot of people can probably relate and um but for me Fortunately, with my situation and how everything played out, it ended up being a great year. Um, there was a lot of uncertainty at the beginning of the year, for sure, when everything first shut down and, um, you know, bikes weren't selling and parts weren't selling. Everybody kind of hit pause. I think everybody was, was a little bit edgy there for a couple of months, kind of just wondering, you know, how things were going to play out. Um, so there was a lot of calls with Intense and some of my sponsors and, and kind of trying to figure out how we were going to make the most of that time and kind of keep things moving forward. Um, you know, thankfully everything kind of turned around, especially for the bike industry. I think the bike industry ended up having one of the best summers it's ever had with, you know, so many people wanting to get outside and, you know, start riding and being outdoors with the lockdown and everything. Um, but yeah, for me personally, it was, as soon as they kind of moved all the races back to October and we knew we weren't going to be racing for another four months, um, you know, I was able to just sort of shift my focus a little bit when we were Lauren and I got married and we were able to go on a road trip, which I haven't done, man, I don't know, since I started riding, you know, every summer has been really full with races. So to be, actually have a summer at home where I'm healthy and I can do stuff. Um, you know, we got in the truck and just kind of started driving. We went to Montana and we went to Mammoth and, we took the bikes with us and did a bunch of riding and just kind of hung out with a bunch of friends. And it ended up being like, man, probably, you know, one of the best years, funnest years of my life, for sure. A lot of cool stuff happened. Um, so it was good, but it was definitely a challenging year. I think emotionally for a lot of people as well, just with the ups and downs of everything happening. And, um, you know, I think with the lockdowns, a lot of people were, you know, kind of scared of what was going to happen or, or, you know, just in tough situations. So it kind of made people's attitudes and, and stuff a little bit edgy throughout the year and the vibe, you know, whether it was on social media or whatever, it's just been, you know, a bit tough last year. So it was, um, you know, for me, I kind of just, uh, I just kind of clocked out a little bit. I just really wanted to enjoy time with Lauren and, and I, you know, I spent quite a bit of time sort of off of social media and, and just sort of enjoying living in the people that were close to me. So it was a it was a good year for sure.
0: It sounds lovely. Yeah. Do you, do you feel the pressure on the kind of social media side of things? I know a lot of athletes, I, I think felt, you know, some level of pressure to be putting something out there to be a lot, a lot of riders have started YouTube channels or other projects along those lines. Like how, how does that stuff sort of sit with you?
1: Yeah, it is. It's tricky. It's a, I don't know. It's a bit of a balance. I think for me, social media doesn't come natural. Um, you know, if I wasn't racing and didn't have a career, I would probably have an Instagram account with, you know, 30 followers of my best friends. It would be private, you know, mm-hmm. it would be a very small crew because that's kind of just how I normally live life. But with the position I'm in, it's it's so fun to be able to interact with people and to have, you know, uh, just the blessing of the position I'm in. It's not something that I I look down on at all when it comes to social media. I appreciate the fans and the following that I have. And I understand what gets them excited, you know, for me, posting just photos of me riding my bike or bike photos all the time, sometimes is a bit monotonous. But, you know, people follow me for a lot of that kind of stuff. And so I try to like, make it entertaining as much as I can, while also, you know, posting stuff that is just more normal life. I think, like I said, I've been checked out off of social media kind of a bit the last you know 4 or 5 months and we're kind of going to start ramping up here again because we're coming into the season and I feel pretty fresh and ready to go but it definitely is a fine balance because it's you know I feel like it's easier for me if I'm either sort of all in or all out it's hard for me to kind of be in the middle if I've got a game plan and I'm posting a lot and creating content and you just sort of get in that rhythm then it's it's pretty easy but when I get out of that it's um it's just not normal to me. And my wife would laugh and say the same thing. Like when I'm, <laughs> when we do stuff, I might take photos, but I never think like, Oh, I just want to post this on Instagram really quick. Whereas like, you know, she might share something faster than I would or whatever. Like I just, I enjoy just kind of taking in the moment. And I, I most of the time I don't post cause I just don't think about it. So it's something I have to kind of constantly remind myself um, to do and to kind of, you know, put the effort in because sometimes it's not, you know, supernatural to me. I kind of get stuck in my just everyday life, and I go on a bike ride, and I'll have you know an epic hour and a half bike ride, and all this cool stuff, and I'll get done with the ride and load the bike in, and I'll be driving on the way home, and I'll be like, dang, you probably should have like, <laughs> you should have taken a photo of something while you were there, but it literally like will not cross my mind. I usually listen to music or a podcast, or if I'm with a friend, I'm just sort of in that moment, enjoying it, and. Uh, I never really think to pull up my phone. So it's something that I, you know, I got to be a little bit mindful of and, and stuff because it is a, a part of my job and, and I do enjoy it. So it's, but it's not always easy.
0: Yeah, definitely, man. It's nice that you can get away from it for sure. But, uh, yeah, we got, we got some racing late on in the season. Um, and it certainly looks like you're getting back to more like where you would want to be. Do you think anything's really changed or has it just been a process of getting back? to full fitness, getting through all the injuries and getting comfortable on the new bike?
1: Um, I think it's been a bit of everything. I think for me, getting the equipment um, where I need it has been a big, big help. Um, having the time to be consistent with the training, you know, after all the injuries to basically get your fitness back where it needs to be without kind of, you know, because it's really hard to, to train everything all out when you got big injuries and stuff. You're always sacrificing something. Um, so having the time to really build that base and, and just get rid of sort of the aches and pains and nagging little things to where when you ride, you just feel like you're riding, you're not thinking about nursing something or, you know, how you're going to tape it to make sure that you can ride safely or, you know, whatever you're just riding. Um, so that's been good. And then, um, yeah, I guess just everything kind of all those things sort of coming together has, has made it feel good, but I think racing is challenging right now. I think, the competition for one is definitely stepped up. And I think um, the, the amount of guys going fast now is is more than it's ever been. Um, you know, I think the the top guys kind of always find a way to still rise to the top. But if you look at the times and how many guys are basically in that sort of fast time bubble, if you will, now there's a lot of guys where it used to be, you know, the the split between top 10 would be you know, maybe 10 or 15 seconds and then it would keep falling back, you know, back in the pack. Now it's like sometimes the top 20 are are separated by like, I don't, I don't know what it was last year, maybe four seconds or maybe less. Like some races are, are really, really tight. So I think the, the competition, like a lot of people are just doing the right stuff. Now people are training hard, you know, they're taking it serious. Um, there's a lot of bike manufacturers and suspension companies and different people that are putting in the work to make great products. So um you know a lot of the bikes are are pretty good now there's maybe not as much of a gap in some of the equipment like there maybe used to be um so the playing field's sort of even but people have just really put in the time and the work to to go fast and kind of do what they need to do to try to win races so um yeah that's been exciting for sure i think there's a lot of guys going fast but um i still feel like i have that edge that it takes to to win when things come together so i've just been kind of focusing on my own deal and and trying to just get that get that back.
0: Yeah, how did it feel to be stood on that podium again in loser?
1: Um it was good. It was a process <laughs> for sure. <laughs> that trip was difficult. Um it rained a lot. I don't think I've ever ridden so many days in the wet in a row. <laughs> um <laughs> so it was uh it was tough, but I felt like I was making progress every day. Um you know, I didn't come in as prepared as I would have liked to been. I was training hard at home, but We were here in California in the middle of the summer, you know, trying to ride our local tracks that were all dry and blown out. And then we had a bunch of really big fires here the month before those races. So they ended up shutting down Big Bear and the main places that I ride in the summer and do a lot of runs. So it was, it was tough. You know, we kind of had limited places to ride and travel wasn't easy. And, um, a lot of those guys have been racing those French cup races for the last, you know, couple months. So I yeah. felt like when I showed up, I just didn't quite have the intensity that a few of those guys had coming into world champs. Um, and then that combined with the weather and the track conditions and everything were just, a yeah, it was just tricky. You know, it was something that I had to, I had to kind of adapt and play catch up, but I was happy that by the end of the, the three weeks or whatever that we were, or four weeks, I guess, um, I was back on pace. And, and I really felt like I had a good shot at winning that last race. I just had made some mistakes and stuff. So it was good to be on the podium and then finish the year feeling like we were fighting for wins again. So yeah, all in all, it was a it was a really fun trip. It was just uh, it was challenging with the weather. Yeah, I bet. Was Lauren there to see that podium as well? She was. Yeah, she came with me for the whole month. So there were the uh, first World Cups that she'd been to and first big races. So it was kind of cool to to be over there with her. And that was a whole new experience. And I, I had always imagined and, and kind of thought that it would be different, you know, having her at the races with me. Cause I feel like, especially the last year, you know, when I'm gone, I'll, I'll miss her, I'll miss home or whatever. And when you're in Europe, kind of grinding it out, I I love the bike riding and everything. It's just all the, all the time in between when you're on the track that you feel like kind of drags on sometimes. And, um, and man, having her over there this year was a bit of a, a game changer and I think our whole team really we have such a cool group of people and we've had a couple years together now and everybody gets along so well so between those two things I I really enjoyed my time there this year even though the races were were a struggle and the weather was really cold and raining every day I didn't ever find myself really counting down the days to go home it was it was a lot of fun and having her there it was just kind of an, an adventure we went to um when we were in Portugal, we went to that big wave spot in Nazare for a couple of days. That was really cool. And um, spent some days in, in Lisbon and a, a few different places. And it was just a great trip. So, yeah, it was, it was a lot of fun. And I think that's something um, that will definitely make my career easier moving forward. Like having her with me at the races, it, it definitely has a different vibe. I feel like, you know, I could stay over there you know a lot more or you know it's just not as difficult when she's there I feel like you know you're kind of home and you're enjoying riding your bike and and racing and doing all that kind of stuff so um that's been exciting so I'm I'm excited for the races to come this year and I think I'll enjoy the time over there you know a lot more
0: nice yeah has it been hard then the last sort of couple of seasons to hear people say oh you know that's Aaron done we won't see him taking wins again or you know the bike's not quick or whatever it happens to be like it must have felt good to maybe silence some of those critics after a pretty pretty tough couple of seasons with injury and a lot going on
1: yeah for sure I think um yeah I mean I don't you know at the end of the day I don't really blame people I you know you always hear negative stuff and unfortunately the culture we live in sort of seems to unify around the negative more than they do the positive so when you read comments and stuff like that it's it's just sort of the time we're in, I guess. But, um, yeah, I mean, when I've been on both sides of it, you know, at this point I've been the guy that's winning and, you know, can't do anything wrong. And, you know, everybody's kind of like singing your praises. And then on the other side, when things are going bad and, you know, there's the next guy doing well and people are questioning, you know, whether you still got it or, you know, they're blaming all kinds of stuff. And, and that's just, I mean, that's sports, man. You can look at any sport, through the the last 60 years and you're going to find the same thing and i think that that being able to make that shift mentally you know back in 2013 when this stuff happened with specialized and nobody really understood that situation or what i was going through and and i was kind of a kid at the time i didn't really want to talk about it i was i was quiet and so people sort of misread that as you know me maybe doing something wrong which was not the case but um those negative comments back then definitely fired me up and made me mad and made me not want to be around people and fans at the races as much for a little while like i (laughs) and i've kind of always had that attitude a little bit it's it's a downfall of mine for sure when i get upset and you know i when people are just mean i guess that's when i'm i can get that sort of attitude back where it's like all right if you guys are going to be mean then I don't want anything to do with you (laughs) and that that has been some maturing that I've had to do through my career you know I mean that that is sports and that's what makes sports exciting is you have fans man and fans love certain riders and they hate other riders or players or whatever and you have these ups and downs and that's what creates you know the passion for the sport so um, now you know I, I don't the comments don't really get to me. I mean, they're not fun to read. Nobody likes reading, you know, negative things about yourself, but at the same time, I understand, you know, I've had some rough years and some bad things and people aren't like in my inner circle to really know what's going on or know the reasons or whatever. So they're a lot of it's speculative and they're, you know, they're just being fans. And I think that's, that's great. You know, I think it's, it's, it's all good. So, um, I just hope that I can get back on the winning end and, uh, and then that'll be that <laughs> set things yeah, straight definitely oh fair play that's uh that's a, not an easy thing to do but an
0: impressive approach to take so yeah let's talk a bit about the winning side of things I mean Greg went and took another win last season I think that puts him on 22 and I think you're on 20 is that a, a record that you'd like to try and take
1: for sure yeah I think um that's been a goal of mine for a couple of years. I was getting close a couple of years ago when everything kind of started to go bad. And, and I feel like I kind of dismissed a few years of, you know, with the injuries and some of this stuff. So, um, yeah, it is definitely something that I want to chase and I would love to be able to retire saying I've won more world cups than anybody. Um, you know, it was funny at Portugal because as much as Greg and I are competitors and, and kind of like rivals, it seems like, you know every title that i think i've won just about it's always been me and him battling for it um you know i love to see him do good too because he's you know i think 5 years older than me maybe and i'm you know i'm getting up older in the in the in the class now and he's got me by a way so um as much as when he wins i'm like ah like that's one more win i got to get now you know and that and i'm like dang it it's also like <laughs> Well, you know, fair play good on you cuz he's I mean with his age to be able to win for as long as he has and to be competitive and to look as good now than you know as he ever has probably. Um it's motivating for me, you know what I mean? Like I I I find inspiration in watching him race and kind of seeing how he's done stuff too. So um yeah, hopefully we get a lot more good years racing together, but I hope when we retire um I'll have those wins.
0: <laughs> <laughs> nice one. And is that more or less important to you than winning a world champs?
1: Um, no, I mean, I'd say they're probably about equal and I mean, these are hopes of mine and, you know, I believe I can, I can achieve the goals, but it's, you know, I, I don't get super wrapped up into it. I'm more that just focus on the things I need to do to try to, you know, win the races. But, um. yeah winning world champs would be very special I've been through a lot of adversity at the world champs runs and I remember them all pretty uh, vividly so uh, to be able to kind of overcome that thing more on a personal side I guess than anything to be able to win that race would be a you know just a great achievement so um, yeah I'm excited for that and, and I hope that I'm able to do that as well yeah and it's in soul
0: this year which is somewhere you've gone well in the past does that does that mean you kind of put that as your like your focus your training focus for the season more than the overall or like how do you balance out because you can only really I guess peak once or twice through a season yeah
1: yeah I think for me I think I've always I've always tried to I don't know it's hard for me to put more focus on one race because I feel like I I always try to be the best at every race and I try to build through the season you know to not go so hard in the preseason the first few races that you're kind of physically burning yourself out um so naturally i try to ramp up at the end of the year but i wouldn't say that i ever like put more effort into the world champs run compared to like the world cup that's either the week before or the week after it i feel like you know they're both races i want to win um you know there's just a a slightly different vibe Worlds just has such a different vibe because you're doing a lot of practice and a lot more kind of hanging out and um there's just things about that schedule that make it you know just kind of drag on that make it a bit trickier um but as far as my preparation and what i do um unless you know maybe it's a track like um, South Africa or, you know, something that's super pedally where you're going to like change up the bike setup or something. I don't really feel like I do anything specifically different for world champs. I just kind of approach it like another race. Uh-huh.
0: And what about the bike then? Is there, is there much change for 2021? What kind of stuff have you been working on? Cause I, I see you and, and, uh, Jeff and John often posting little teasers here and there on Instagram of, of bits and pieces and prototype stuff.
1: Yeah. Oh, we got, a. Uh... We got a lot going on over there right now. <laughs> okay, I can't talk about some of it, but as far as the downhill bike goes, um, what I'm riding right now is more or less the bike I was on at the end of last season. Um, we've made some tweaks and and you know things to kind of clean a few things up. I think we've we've made a lot of progress in some of the other areas of um, like components and tires and stuff like that. The last uh-huh. few months with just some setup stuff and um, different materials and stuff that we've been trying. So I would say the frame I'm on right now is pretty much the same that I raced on, but we're on some different component setups and tire setups and different things that are, are really working really well right now. Um, they were things that I noticed coming out of the races last year that needed to be improved and, you know, we had a little bit of work to do. So, um, yeah, I'm really happy. We do have some other things that I'm going to be trying here soon with the bike that are not what I'm on right now, just to kind of, be thorough i guess Uh (laughs) um so yeah that's kind of all i can say on that but yeah it's a it's a work in progress and and thankfully um jeff loves prototyping as much as john and i do maybe even more so (laughs) i don't usually have to twist his arm too hard for him to do anything you know they're (laughs) they're stoked to like well what if we try this or what if we try this like it's it's almost to a fault sometimes where I'm like, man, we got to put this stuff into production eventually, you know, or whatever. But they they just have such a passion for racing and for downhill that it, it doesn't need to make sense, really, like numbers wise or financially to get Jeff excited to do something because he's just a racer and he gets excited to try stuff. So as a racer, you know, there's nothing, I don't, there's no better support, I guess, that you would want. So Um, yeah, we got a lot of cool stuff happening. We got some other bikes in the works right now that we've been prototyping for the last year or so with some other things in the line. Um, and some of this stuff is, is the best stuff I've ever ridden. It's the most fun bikes that I've ever ridden. Like, I I think we're doing some really good stuff. So we've been enjoying that process. And I think through all the downtime last year, we were able to start a few of those projects a little bit earlier and kind of, you know, get some, some things happening. So yeah we've just been having a great time and and working on stuff and we got a lot of cool stuff coming this next month or two that i'll be testing before the world cup start and um yeah we're just going to try to keep pushing forward
0: exciting stuff so what what are the big changes then so other than the the uh the wheel size obviously what are the big differences between the m29 that you were on to the kind of prototype bike that you're riding now
1: Um, yeah, besides sizing and wheel size, we changed the kinematics up a little bit. Um, and that's a bit of an ongoing process. We're messing with some geometry now on some new stuff that I'll be trying here pretty shortly. Um, but yeah, I'd say the kinematics are the one other thing, um, with the VPP style of bike, um, you know, there are certain pros and cons to that design and it's definitely different than like. All the bikes I've ridden in the past, which are kind of basically a different type of suspension system. Um, And so we've been, for me, I've been trying to get the bike to hold up a little bit more, like in the mid-stroke. I like bikes that are are really efficient and they, you know, you can move them around quick. And, you know, I'd rather have a bike that's a little rougher, maybe through the, the gnarliest sections of the track but have it, you know, be fast and still be maintaining speed in other areas. If you get a bike that's just real fast in a straight line through rough stuff, sometimes you sacrifice in other areas too. So we're kind of trying to find the balance there. Um, it honestly just, with the wheel size and the sizing and stuff, It it's a very similar bike suspension-wise. Um, we've just made some tweaks to kind of utilize different areas of the the suspension travel to kind of work a little bit different.
0: Okay, makes sense. Do you ever kind of wonder what's going on in other teams? Like, I I mean, I guess an obvious one is Loic turning up with his little carbon fiber compartment over his rear shock, hiding something and fiddling (laughs) with something on the handlebar in in Loser. Is it easy to get distracted by stuff like that?
1: Um, I don't really get it distracted. I think as I get older, I get more interested in bike stuff. Um, I've never been like a Uh, for lack of better terms like a bike geek kind of guy like Uh since i started my career um i just love riding bikes and i feel like i'm pretty good at feeling what a bike's doing and and telling somebody what i want it to do but as far as like getting really technical with like well you got to raise this a millimeter or move this here or whatever it's like dude i you know earlier in my career i had no idea what if you ask me any setting on my bike as far as like the geo went i would. I would not know, <laughs> and uh, so with Intense, I would say I've I've gained a lot of you know because I've just been working so hands on with some of this stuff. You know, I know it a little bit better now, and it's more exciting. But yeah, I think when other people try new things, um, I, it's just more like interesting to me. You know, and I, I try to think it through and think like, what would the benefit be, or you know, what are they maybe doing. Um, I don't get too wrapped up into it because you have such your own bike and your own program and your own riding style and your own suspension and there there's so many other factors that go in that you definitely cannot just copy and paste somebody else's stuff and expect it to work and I think people have maybe tried that with some of my setups and stuff in the past and found out that it you know doesn't work for everybody with suspension settings or you know certain things but I think there's always something to learn and there's so many brands investing money and time into prototyping and doing stuff now that if you can sort of learn from somebody else without having to try it and spend the money for yourself, uh, you can make a little bit of progress a little bit faster there if you're kind of paying attention. So it's more just interesting to kind of see what people are doing. And I think, um, yeah, I, I'm always sort of just interested, but I I don't think super far into it. We definitely kind of have our own direction. What we believe is going to be the best, so that's kind of where we're going. But if you can learn something else, then you know, always down for it. Yeah, fair
0: play. And as well as all the kind of the work on the bike and trying to get that to exactly where you want it, have you changed anything in sort of your 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 training or your nutrition or your your mental preparation over the last year or two? Is is that something you try and keep fresh, or how do you approach it?
1: I've changed it a little bit. I think. More so just every year you learn, you know, I've been doing it for a lot of years and, and I've been on different training programs and different things. So you start to see the things that consistently work. And then the other things that are, are, you know, maybe less important. I think part of it for me, just doing it year after year is just keeping things fresh. Um, you know, so that you're, you know, you're just, you're improving at something and you're, you know, mentally kind of entertained, I guess, cause I love to work out and I love to ride but you do it every single day. And if you don't kind of mix things around and move things and try new things and whatever, it can get a bit monotonous. So, um, yeah, I, I haven't changed anything major this year. I felt like what I did last year was, was pretty good. Like if we would have started the races on schedule last year in March, I I was in a really good place. Um, so I've kind of just refined that even more this year. And we got some stuff that we're going to be doing the next couple of months leading into this first race that I think will really, kind of uh give me that edge when i need it so um yeah it's it's a lot the same but um pretty much like every year there are things that are changing and things that we're we're trying to improve on
0: yeah is it time for the intensity to start ramping up then over the next uh, next couple of months
1: yeah for sure i think that's the thing that's the hardest thing to balance is um a lot of guys will go really hard early in the off season and it's, it's easy to do. Cause I mean, you get your speed back, even if you take a month off the downhill bike or something at the end of the season, you get back on the bike and within a few rides, you're going fast and you're in the gym and you're feeling good. And it's like, you know, it, it's hard not to just be like blasting like hundred percent, you know, in November and December when, you know, the races aren't going to start for another four months. And I think that's part of what I've learned getting older. Um, and just getting a little older too, my body doesn't maybe quite, you know, heal as fast in some ways you get smarter and you learned how to recover so that things feel good. Um, but I, I try to really manage that effort because there's only so many months of the, of the year that you can just be running it at a hundred percent. And I want to make sure the six months or five months that we're racing are those months. So I don't want to you know blow out and peak too early. So I usually am You know, maybe like right now we're doing some local races and stuff and I'm usually, you know, a little ways back from where I will be by the World Cups, but I'm okay with that because it's it's all about that kind of progression and that sort of slow build into when it's important for me. So mentally you got to be pretty disciplined, but um, I've done it enough years now. I I believe in the process and that's kind of always worked for me. So, yeah, Yeah, that's that's it.
0: Yeah, but someone gets the bragging rights to say that they've beaten Aaron Gwynn though. That's the that's the downside
1: (laughs) for sure. Yeah. And everybody questions kind of what's going on if you get beat, but I think thankfully for me, um, we've, since I started my career, there's always been really fast local guys that race these local races with me, like Fontana and, and the one out near Vegas that we did the other weekend. Um, and those races are some of the most competitive, difficult, they're like right on par with the world cup. You might not have the depth of talent you know where there's like 30 guys that are going really fast but whoever there's always at least one that's going to push you really hard because the tracks here are, are super pedally they're a, a totally kind of different style of racing they have sections that are kind of like a world cup track but as far as top to bottom it's a it's a really difficult they're, they're just difficult types of tracks to race and and so that's good. Cause it keeps me sharp every off season. You know, I'll go to a world cup and win, and then I'll come here and I'll get smoked in my backyard by, <laughs> you know, either a kid or somebody that's 15 years older than me or whatever. We used to laugh. Cause there was a time in my career when I had won more world cups than I had Fontana races. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, cause they're the guys that go fast here, go really fast and they're, they're really fit and they usually do like all of the preseason races, whereas I'll just pick a couple of them. So they're like, they're really riding good. So it's, it's perfect for me because I, I always have like plenty of competition at the local races and they always keep me in check. And now they're the younger kids that are my friends that I ride with during the week. So they beat me on the weekend and, uh, you know, they, they keep me pushing. (laughs) (laughs) That's awesome. I've I've read
0: this a lot and, uh, I don't think I've ever heard it from you though. And it, that's that you don't really plan to stay with downhill for too long. Is that true? Is that something you still feel or is it as your mindset kind of changed a little bit on that?
1: No, I think my mindset has changed. I I mean, I never put a solid age on it ever in my career. I think when I was 20, I would have said like, yeah, I think by the time I'm 30, you know, depending on how things are going, um, you know, I might retire around 30, but, but I don't know, but now I'm, I just turned 33 and, And I can't imagine not racing It's I enjoy it more and more every year. Um, I enjoy the team and the people that are kind of, we've put together now being at the races is more fun and more laid back, um, than it's ever been. And, you know, having my wife with me at the races now that makes that a lot easier, you know, being away from home for big, you know, stints of time. Um, so yeah i mean i was thinking about it because last year i think i think everybody had a bit of time to think last year with all the time off and it was like man if you know when you're when you're grinding you know every week and you're traveling all the time and you're going to the same races every year and all that stuff sometimes it's like man it would be nice to kind of like just you know maybe keep racing but just change the schedule up or do something different and not be you know so much in the same group but when you miss it for a year or, or whatever you know it's uh I think everybody was really happy to see each other at the races last year. <laughs> the vibe was a lot easier and everybody was just stoked to be back. And I feel like as I've matured throughout my career and, and just I just more than anything, I, I love the challenge of trying to improve and I love the life that racing downhill gives me. Like when I get to get up in the morning and go to the gym and then go for a bike ride out in the hills, you know, four or five days a week. And that's my job. Like, I can't imagine that getting any better (laughs) at all. Like there's nothing else I would rather do. And if, if I was doing anything else, I would just be frustrated that I didn't get to do that every day. Um, and so being able to go to the races now too, I think I, I still have that race sharpness, but I, I don't feel so stressed out at the races like maybe I did earlier in my career. Um, you know, I, I'm able to focus when it's time to race and then when you're not racing to just enjoy the people around you and enjoy hanging out in cool places. And, you know, I think my perspective has just matured and kinda gotten different as I've gotten older. So yeah, if you would ask me five years ago, maybe I would have said I would have been done around thirty or thirty one, but now at thirty three, like, dude, I don't I don't wanna stop anytime soon, that's for sure. I just I feel like we're just kinda getting going in a few ways. Um, got a lot of exciting stuff we're working on and I've never been kind of happier with the group of people that are around me right now. So yeah, I definitely do it as long as I can.
0: Awesome. Yeah. It sounds, it sounds like you're in a really good place, man.
1: Yeah, for sure.
0: Excellent. Well, we're getting, uh, we're getting close to the end of our time, but we've got one new final question that we didn't ask you last time you're on. And that is what is something that you do every day that you feel benefits you?
1: Um, man, that is a good question um i don't really have i don't know if i have anything super specific that's outside of kind of my normal routine um one thing that i have enjoyed that is new i guess just that could be interesting is i bought a little uh hot tub <laughs> that plugs into the wall and <laughs> uh because i have the big one but that thing's expensive to heat so we kind of only do it with like guests or if we you know whatever we just want to have like a night or whatever but I have this little hot tub that's pretty cheap to run. And so I, I leave it at like 101 degrees all the time. And I, I get in that thing first thing in the morning when I get out of bed and when it's kind of cold and whatever, and I feel like it, it warms my body up and I just really enjoy sort of starting my mornings like that. So I sit out there with my coffee and <laughs> I stare at the view and I think about the day or whatever. So it, it, that's... uh. I don't know if that's the answer you're looking for, but that's something that I started doing the last six months or so that I really enjoy now. And I feel like, uh, you know, I usually go from there straight into the gym or or usually I jump in the, the, the pool, which is freezing right now after I get out of the hot tub to kind of wake myself up and then I go in the gym, but I feel like that starts my day pretty good. And that's something that I've been doing recently. That's, you know, people maybe don't know about from the past.
0: (laughs) Nice. So it sounds pretty good to me yeah apart from the cold bit but the, the hot tub and the coffee sounds good
1: <laughs> for sure yeah the cold bit's not fun but you feel good after <laughs>
0: <laughs> good stuff well if uh if people want to keep up with what you're up to where's the best place for them to follow
1: uh instagram is usually the best um that's pretty much i do have a twitter and a facebook account but i i kind of passively post there through my instagram so yeah i'd say instagram is pretty much uh where you'll find any everything either on my personal page. I think it's uh, at AaronGwen1 and then the team page, which is intense factory racing or intense cycles. Um, so yeah, between those three spots, anything we're doing, that's pretty much where it'll be. And um, I have been a little bit you know, off the map on a few of that the last couple of months. But um, now that we're getting back into preseason and I got some video shoots and some photo shoots and Clay and I are just getting ready to release the fourth episode of Timeless that we're excited about which will basically cover all the racing that we just talked about from last year. Uh, um, ah, nice. So yeah, that'll be coming here in the next week or two. And then we have some other cool projects and I've got a couple of new sponsorships that, um, have been flying sort of under the radar that I've changed for this season that we haven't announced yet. So we'll be doing some of that here in the next couple of weeks as well. So, um, yeah, definitely check it out on Instagram and I'm going to try to be back on there a little bit more. And I might even try to do like a weekly, like Q and a or something just to interact with people a little more. Cause I, I miss it, man. Even this interview, I think is the first time I've done anything for a while <laughs> i've just been in my own little world so yeah i appreciate <laughs> appreciate the time
0: <laughs> nice one oh well, it's been an absolute pleasure catching up and uh and finding out about what you've been up to and yeah i'm really excited to see how it goes it was great to see you uh back on the podium at the end of last season and feeling healthy and, and in a good place so yeah look forward to seeing how 2021 treats you and yeah hopefully some more wins
1: yeah thank you man i appreciate it and uh yeah, I think everybody's hoping for a better year this coming year. So hopefully we get to go to all the races and things kind of turn around and we can get fans back at the races and kind of really get back into the groove. We've, we've been missing everybody. So, um, yeah, man, excited for the year. Fingers crossed for sure. All right. Thanks, Aaron. Cool. Thank you, brother. Talk Cheers. to you later. Bye. All
0: right. That's it for this episode with Aaron.
1: I really hope you've
0: enjoyed listening. A massive thanks to Nuke Proof for supporting this episode of the show. If you're in the market for a tough, well-designed set of alloy wheels, then definitely give the Nukeproof Horizon V2s a look. If you fancy the chance to win your own set, then you can enter the competition by joining the Nukeproof mailing list before the 1st of April. You can do that over at downtimepodcast.com forward slash Nukeproof. Also, a massive thanks to Crank Brothers. I highly recommend you check out their new range of riding shoes, especially the versions with the Boa closure. I'm loving riding both the Mallet E clip shoes and the stamp flat pedal shoes. Crank Brothers have really hit it out of the park with their first ever range of shoes and you can check them out at your local Crank Brothers stockist or at crankbrothers.com. All the links you need are in the show notes for this episode over on downtimepodcast.com. If you want to represent the show then you can grab yourself a t-shirt, sweatshirt or hoodie by heading over to downtimepodcast.com forward slash shop. All the proceeds go to help improving the show. All right. You know what to do. Please keep on spreading the word. Tell your rider mates about the show. Share the episodes on your social media. It all makes a massive difference and it helps me keep this thing going and bringing you a fresh episode every week. Also, if you've got a couple of minutes, then a review on iTunes is really helpful too. All right. We're going to have another awesome episode coming up really soon. But until then, get out and ride. (laughs)